If you didn't, and you're married, hello, okay? Uh, might want to do something about that. Uh, this week, next week, and the following week. Probably week three is my favorite week of this series. Maybe we're not supposed to have favorites, but uh, it's probably my favorite week. Next week's good, too, though. I'm going to just focus on one passage of Scripture, and uh, we're just going to pick that apart and allow it to speak to us today. In an introductory sermon, we're going to look at different parts of the Bible and what it has to say about relationships. But relationships are huge, and Your relationship with people on the earth is in direct correlation to your relationship with God. They affect each other. Uh, Jesus said, you know, you can't really love your father well unless you're loving people. And so we have to love God and love people. And so both of those go hand in hand. And so uh, when your relationships are bad, how many know it feels like life stinks, right? It's just like it's all bad uh, when your relationships are bad. And so we live in a culture, though, that has trouble with relationships. And, And so what we have are people who say something like, you know, I fell in love, like you would fall in a ditch. You know, I didn't see it coming, just fell in. What can you do? Just hopelessly in love. And uh, how many of you know that it's a lot easier maybe to fall in love than to stay in love? And I'm not interested in just falling in love. I'm interested in staying in love. Anybody with me on that? Right? And so uh, we, we want to look to what God says about this and how, how to piece this together. So we're going to go to a scripture, first of all, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You may have heard this before if you've ever been to a wedding. All right? Uh, it says, love always, here's the key word, always, protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. That is not just a poem to be read at weddings. Okay? It is God's directive. And, and when... And what it's saying is, when you let God work, you can love like that. See, when when you've got God working in your life, then you can love like that. But when you don't have God working in your life, it's going to be hard to pull that off. It's going to be hard, almost impossible to make that work. So what happens is, is when you get God involved, God can help you. He can help you to love like you didn't think you could love. To look beyond faults, to look beyond uh, hurts and different things. And, and Rochelle and I know all about that in our married life because 
of having God in our lives. I'm telling you, if you look at us today and you say, oh, you know, you guys seem to get along. Oh, it's awesome. You've been married all this time, whatever. I'm telling you, it is not so much to the credit of either her or I as much as to the credit of God, to the glory of God in our lives. And so uh, I want you in on that secret today because sometimes the years can get rough. I, I was reading and studying, preparing for this series uh, a while back, and, and I wrote something down that during years five to nine, somebody said in psychology, they analyze marriages and different things, and those are some of the toughest years. So if you're in five to nine, uh, just buckle up, okay, and listen up, and, and we'll help you get through that. But some of you may say, ah, ah, it was one to three, I'm telling you, uh, that, was, that was tough, I didn't know what was going on. And uh, others of you, it could have been later, but there will be challenging times, and so I want to help you today by sharing five keepsakes, right, five keepsakes that you can hang on to. I don't know if we've got any people that like to hang on to stuff, but uh, these are five things to hang on to uh, in your marriage, in your relationships. And, and by the way, uh, this series is for everybody. Uh, this series really especially is for singles, uh, for my single friends that are here. And if you know some singles, um, th this is really the ideal of what you're looking for in a relationship. But if you're already married, uh, I think you can hear some things to help you uh, along the way and to encourage you. And, and those of you who have been married and you're not married, uh, the chances are good, statistics tell us, that you're not going to stay that way. And so you listen up, too, because I think these five things will make a difference in your life. Here's the first one, is keep a covenant commitment. Keep a covenant commitment. I'm going to come back to that word again, but, but that's really what we're talking about today, a covenant commitment. You, you've got to make a commitment that sticks, you know, and we make commitments, and we love commitments. You know, I made a commitment uh, that I'd be the trash guy in our house, for one thing. You know, anybody with me on that one? And, and so come uh, through the week, end of the week, uh, toward the end of the week, there's no debate in our house. Now, who's going to gather the trash? Who, who's going to do that this week? And, and take it out to the curb. Who, who's going to do that? It's already been delegated, all right? It's already been, I've already accepted that as my role, one of my roles uh, in the family, in the home, is, is to do that. So I just, it's just a commitment. It's, it's like a no-brainer. Who's going to do it? And you'll never have great relationships without great commitments. You have to make great commitments, and you have to get rid of the option of, if this gets too tough, I'll just get going. I'll just get out. And, and so what you have to do is just make the kind of commitment that we're going to talk about in a few more minutes of a covenant relationship. But here's the second thing is keep celebrating differences. Keep celebrating differences. They say that in the beginning, 
opposites attract, and then after you get married, opposites attack. (laughs) But you know, by God's design, men and women are different. And somebody wrote a book one time, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus, and, and you know, they're just different, it's like from two different planets. And here's what God has in mind for marriage. God has in mind that when you get married, that other person will help you be more like God. So it's kind of, you're signing up for a workshop, all right? And there's going to be some Holy Spirit sandpaper that God's going to use on you to get that selfishness rubbed out of your life. And, and some of that conceitedness and some of that uh, self-aggrandizement and, and self-focus and different things that can be in there. And, and God uses marriage to help us to get a little bit more polished up. How many are in the polishing mode, right? You know, and, and God's polishing you and helping you. Now, now all of us are different. Rochelle and I uh, are, are very different in different ways. She's more outgoing. I'm more of an introvert. Um, she is more, um, you know, in the beginning of our marriage, I would say uh, she loved to spend money. I love to save money, you know. And uh, also, you know, when it comes to uh, children and things like that, she's more disciplined and I'm more grace giving in those ways. And then, you know, other ways, you know, like when she says, uh, honey, I'd like a back rub. She really means she wants just a back rub. <laughs> when I say I want a back rub, okay, you know where that's going, right? Okay. We have awesome children's ministry down this hallway. It is some of the best children's ministry you will find anywhere, anywhere, anywhere. And so you have the opportunity to have your kids in a wonderful environment that is geared towards them, all right? That is not in this room, though, okay. Uh, We're talking about things that matter with marriage, and God's very interested in you being successful in all your relationships. And here's what you can do. Two people can either irritate or they can appreciate the differences in each other's lives. You know, Rochelle, for many years as we started this church, I would say, hey, it's, it's coming up to Mother's Day, and you could speak. You, you speak to me all the time, you know, and this is your opportunity. You know, I use you as an illustration. It's your turn to get back, you know, and, and so you, you could share. And I grew up in a church where my pastor's wife would speak every Mother's Day. And so I thought, you know, she could kind of have that tradition too. She's like, I ain't doing it. There's no way. I, I am not getting up there. You can't pay me enough. You can't do enough, whatever. And, and so to this day, I don't even ask anymore. But here's, here's the thing is she is so good one-on-one. 
I've had people, I just had somebody recently just tell me, oh, we had a conversation with your wife. We had never had a conversation with her before. She's so great and awesome and whatever. And I know that about her. And one-on-one, she's way better than me. And, And so she has gifts, talents, and abilities that I don't possess. And so what we need to do is appreciate those differences in each other. Here's the third thing, is keep on communicating. Keep on communicating. You know, you, you, you can't just say, well, I told you I loved you when we got married. If it changes, I'll let you know. <laughs> you know and, and I have to do this with our staff. I mean, I have to work on communication. Communication is key. How many know that? You, you've got to commit. It doesn't matter uh, marriage or work environment or whatever. You've got to work on it so your employees understand, so your boss understands, whatever. You, you, here's the problem. Some of us work on it at work, and we don't work on it at home. And so what you've got to be careful to do is make sure you're working on it at home. I saw a statistic that said that the average couple spends on average four minutes a day in connected communication. That is not good, all right? And so we've got to get better at this. And women, of course, have 30,000 words that they need to get out each day. And men have 15,000 words. And men, you may have said, I've talked all I can talk at work or whatever. The good news is you can come home and listen, right? Come home and listen. I heard the other day the four most romantic words a man can say to his wife are, and then what happened? (laughs) Some of you, your marriage is going to get better just doing that. Number four, keep the fire burning. All right, you got to keep the fire burning. You got to feed the romance. I grew up in a home where we had a real fireplace. You know what I'm talking about? Like real wood, you know, and my dad would build a fire. I loved it when we had a, had a fire, all the snap, crackle, pop, and all those things. And, and now in our home, we have one where I just turn the knob and catch it on fire, and there it goes, you know, and I, when I go to bed, I just turn it off. And it's, it's not, as, not as fun, not as cool as, as the real fireplace, but the real fireplace took real work, right? I mean, I mean, you had to stoke it. You had to, I remember my dad going out to the garage and get another log and throw it on there and get it going. He had to have it just right, you know, and balanced and everything, And so it took a lot of work. And the same thing in your marriage. People say, well, we just don't have the same fire we used to. Hello? That's not going to happen unless you feed the fire. Unless you work at it. Unless you're involved in it. Unless you're contributing to it. I heard someone say that the last time their wife said, honey, Turn out the lights and lock the door was when his parents were pulling up in the driveway. (laughs) If you let your feelings drive this area, then you're setting yourself up for failure. Can't just be feeling based. And here's the fifth thing, and this is the most important. 
is keep Jesus at the center. You got to keep Jesus at the center. And I'm telling you, that's true in any area of life. You've got to, he can't just be prominent. Oh, uh, Craig, I've got a Christian t-shirt somewhere, you know, uh, and, and, and we own a Bible at our house, and we put it out on the living room table, and uh, we've got a cross on the wall. I, I wear a cross. Look at that. <laughs> you know. And, and I got a WWJD bracelet somewhere that I used to wear. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about Jesus is the center of your life. He's not just prominent. He's preeminent in your life. He's everything. Here's what the psalmist said. Look at this. Psalm says, unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. So unless God's building your home, your home is not going to be one that can last through all the storms of life. And why wouldn't we let the one who defined what marriage is design our marriage too? Why wouldn't we let him come in and redecorate and help put things where they need to be? Do a little feng shui, you know, and, and, and work on it and help us to be what we need to be. True love is not stumbled upon. You don't just fall into it. You build it. And one word that, that really o- oversees everything God has to say about marriage is this one word, covenant. Everybody say that with me. Covenant. It's a covenant relationship that he wants us to have. It's not casual. It's not convenient. It's a covenant. And so in covenant relationships, it looks different. And there's a horrible picture that's painted in God's word. Last book of the Old Testament, uh, where it talks about how off kilter we can get and, and how offensive it even is to God who invented marriage and, and how he wants us to get back to where we need to be. Now, here, here's what I want to say. I'm so glad to be pastor of a church where you can fall out, fall off, fall wherever, and still come back and get your act together. Hello? I mean, if you're here today... And, and yeah, you know, I hope you don't, but you get out there this week and you get all messed up and there, and there five people saw it, you know, and were bore witness to it, you know, and, and you fell flat on your face or whatever. I want you to know you are welcome next Sunday because every broken, hurting piece of humanity. That's what we all are. And on our best day, we're still not all we want to be, but we're not what we used to be. And God's going to help us every week to get better and better and better. So I love being a, a pastor of that kind of church. And that's what, that's what church you're in today. But look at what Malachi says, or if you're Italian, you might say Malachi. You flood the Lord's altar with tears. Okay, you come in, oh, 
You weep and wail because he no longer looks with favor on your offerings. Why, why, why is my life not going right? Why, why is my life not going according to plan? And, and you ask, why is this? And it is because the Lord is the witness between you and the wife of your youth. In other words, God's watching. God sees how you treat other people, especially the people under your roof. And you have been unfaithful to her, though she is your partner, the wife of your marriage, what? Covenant. That's what God calls it. Has not the one God made you? You belong to him in body and spirit. And what does the one God seek? What's he seek? Godly offspring. He wants you to reproduce godly spiritual people. So be on your guard. And do not be unfaithful to the wife of your youth. The man who hates and divorces his wife, says the Lord, God of Israel, does violence to the one he should protect, says the Lord Almighty. So, in case you didn't get when I said this the first time, be on your guard and do not be unfaithful. God says, hey, wake up. If you're not watching, if you're not careful, you'll get off base. If you're not careful, you'll get to watch a bunch of movies about, oh, my life got better over here. You know, I, I, I had this affair, and, and that, my life took off then. Or, you know, you'll get to watching a commercial, and you'll think, well, if I just would wear the right cologne, you know, or the right, if I'd go to the right bar, if I'd go to the right whatever, then I, I'd have this happening, and God says, hey, hey, watch out. You've got, you've got to be sure you're in a cov- You're looking for, this is what you're looking for if you're single. This is what you're looking for to keep, if you're married, a covenant relationship. And let me tell you something. Here's when you need covenant. is not when everything's going great. You need covenant when everything's at its worst, Right? When it's at its worst, when you're at your worst. And guess what? That's the kind of covenant God offers. When you were at your worst, He loved you, came here, died for you so that you could know Him in a personal relationship. That's what He says in Luke 22. Read this with me. It says, In the same way after supper, and we're going we're to do this in a little bit, we're going to take communion. This cup, Jesus said, is the what? New covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. See, God enters into a covenant with us. And he says, it doesn't matter. You know, I I want you to be better. But even if you don't get better, I'm going to love you anyway. Even if you're still messing around and all whatever, I'm still going to love you because I'm just in a covenant relationship with you. And if you've noticed this, this is kind of how we do with people. We say it like this. Here's how we say it. You know, blood is thicker than water. You ever hear that? That explains how that your cousin, your uncle, your son or daughter can do something that's, you know, 
crazy and you're like, oh, bless their heart. They struggle so much in that area. And then somebody who's not related to you does the same thing and you say, well, that knothead, that, that idiot, they're, they're just a fool, they're just dumb, you know, or whatever. You, you say, what happened? What happened? They both did the same thing. What happened is his blood is thicker than water. And, and blood covers the multitude of sin. Hello? And, and so what happens is, is in this blood covenant that God says, that's how you should look at your marriage. And by the way, covenant means to cut. So it's like you've seen these things where, where people will cut their hand with a knife and then the other person cuts their hand and they say, okay, now let's put our hands together. And they tie. Actually, in a ceremonial situation, they will tie their hands together. And as that blood mingles, what that's representing is we're now one. We're in blood covenant with each other. Nothing can separate us. Nothing's gonna pull us apart because we have this blood covenant. And that is exactly what God did for you when he sent Jesus down on the cross to shed his blood. He says, I'm not coming out of this. You may come out of it. You may run away. You may walk away. You can do whatever you want to do, but I'm not leaving. I'm in covenant with you. I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll go with you even to the end of the world. You do whatever you want to do, but I'm still promising to be here. And I don't know about you, but I'm glad that's the kind of promise he made. And, and so that's the kind of co covenant you need with somebody else. And listen, listen. I have seen this work myself. I've seen this work. I, I've seen miraculous. I've, I've seen people that I thought, oh, my gosh, that's hopeless. <laughs> I didn't tell them that, you know. <laughs> but I, I just kind of thought it. And, uh, and, and it's like, hmm, that. That's done. And then I have seen the hand of God. I have seen his miraculous power come into two human beings and somehow, some way, put that back together again like a miracle that only he can do. And I'm telling you, that's who you want in your marriage. That's the kind of God that he is. And here's the covenant that we can have. Let me just walk through these real fast with you. Three distinctions between covenant and contract, all right? Covenant is based on mutual commitment, all right? It's mutual commitment. In other words... I don't care how ugly you get. I don't care. Some of you like that a little too much, all right? I don't care how bald you get. I don't care how fat you get. I don't care how skinny you get. I don't care how sick you get. I don't care how whatever you get. I made a commitment to you, and I'm not coming out of it. And so it means even if I'm not happy, 
then I'm, I'm still in this. Because I didn't sign up for just happy. I signed up to be wholly committed to you by a holy God. See, that's different than a contract because a contract is this. It's based on mutual distrust. See, you want people to sign contracts when you don't trust them. You want them to sign a contract because you think, well, they may back out of this thing. And I want to have something on paper where I can go back after them. And so when you do a covenant, let me, let me tell you the conditions of every marriage covenant I've ever done for a couple. It's this, till death do us part. That's a condition. Is somebody's got to die. It's the only condition. Now, some of us may want to add some other things and say, well, you know, if I'm not as happy as I want to be or we're not as rich or we get too many bills going or whatever, it gets too stressful or whatever happens and, and all, but, but really it boils down to death do us part is the covenant. And then the covenant then surrenders rights. Okay, it surrenders rights and assumes responsibility. In other words, it's like Jesus who said, I did not come to be served, I came to serve, right? I, I came to serve you. And a contract, it protects rights and it shirks responsibility. Again, it's, it's making sure I'm covered and, and, and then I won't have to worry about things. And, and I want to make sure that, you know, that there's a covering here in this. Covenant has interest, has the interest of the other person. In other words, what would make you happy? Not what makes me happy. What would make you happy? Because I, I want to do what helps you what pleases you, what, what encourages you, what, what's good for you. Well, a contract has personal convenience in mind. And you can't have great relationships out of convenience. It doesn't make any difference what kind of relationship it is. Now, you may look at that list and you may say, oh, man, dude, Craig, that, that, that is like a lot. You know, and that, that's hard, and I, I don't know, how's that, how's that even doable? Can you do all that? I'm telling you, that's why you need God, all right? That's why you need God's help, because no, you can't do it. You can't love that other person like they need to be loved, and, and they can't love you in return unless God's love is a part of it. And if you're here this morning, and I know that there are people here that you've messed up in this area, and I don't know, hopefully you're through the she did it or he did it or the whatevers and, you know, and all that, but wherever you are and all that, and somehow you're married, it didn't make it and whatever, here's what I'm going to say to you, because chances are you'll do it again. And here's what I would like for you to do is do it right next time. Could you do that? See, just from this day forward, you can't correct the past, but from this day forward, you can start making better decisions. And one thing you could do if you're married or want to be married and maybe you're dating somebody right now is sign up for Art of Marriage. 
all right? And, and if you've got a marriage that, you know, it's struggling or maybe, you know, there's some things that, you know, you're trying to work through or whatever, you, you should get in a group with other people that talk about godly view of marriage because that's the kind you want. That's the kind that'll last. And, and so you want to get with people like that and talk about that and, and study that and, and it inspires you. And, and can't we all get better? I said, can't we all get better? So, so we can all get better. So if you have this incredible marriage, maybe you want to join the class to help other people. It got quiet like that in the first service, too. So anyway, sign up today and be a part of that class. Starts in a couple weeks. Let me just wrap this up. Love is not a feeling. It's a choice. And the culture talks about it like it's a feeling. I'm telling you, that's nuts. That's crazy. If I operated my life out of feelings, I'd be a total disaster. I'd be a total mess. If I operated on feelings, I would sit down in a restaurant and say, I'll have the double cheese with some extra cheese. And if you can melt some cheese on whatever doesn't have cheese, then that'd be great too. And bring me an extra large of this and, and bring the dessert menu because I want to plan that out too. Anybody with me on that? But what comes out of my mouth is I'll have the fish. Okay. Yeah, I'll have that grilled fish right there with a little bit of something shook on it, you know. <laughs> little flavor. Because I don't want my cholesterol going through the roof, and I don't want to die by 50-something years old or whatever. I, I want to live a long life. And, and so when my doctor says, hey, hey, bear, watch those levels or whatever, all of a sudden, I change everything. You know, my ice cream went by the wayside, and I said, hello, Greek yogurt, you know. But hey, I enjoy my yogurt now, right? And, and what I enjoy is the better decision. And what I'm saying is, is you got to learn discipline. you got to learn to make the better choice. And that's not just for you. It's for the other person as well. But if you're not making the right choices for yourself, how are you going to make them in the marriage as well? Colossians 3.14 tells us how to do it. you got to put on love. I thought you fell into love. No, the Bible doesn't say that. You don't fall in it. You put it on. And the kind of love that will last, you put it on just like you'd put on a coat today to come to church. You put it on. You put on Christ's kind of love. And, and when you do that, it makes all the other things possible. The capacity of loving others comes from receiving the kind of love that God has for us. And here's the kind of love that he has. Look at 1 John and what it says. We love each other because he loved us first. Mm, you got to love that, right? Even while you were a scoundrel 
Even while you were dead in your sin, Paul talked about it. Even while I was the worst of sinners, he describes himself, still Christ came and died for me. And we're going to celebrate that in communion here in a few minutes because God's love is so awesome, it's worth celebrating over and over again and just thanking him for his covenant relationship with us. There's one more scripture, and I want to pray this over you. Now, I don't know if you... Let me just say something real quick. There's prayers in the Bible, and when you come across them, when you're reading, you come across them, here's what you could do. You could say, hmm, that's a good prayer. And you could just pray it over your family. Say, I just pray this prayer. And you might do it for a week or 21 days or whatever. And there's some prayers in the Bible that are just powerful prayers. I found this one, and I want to pray it over you. I pray that Christ will be more and more at home in your heart, living within you as you trust him. May your roots go deep into the soil of God's marvelous love. And may you be able to feel and understand just how long, how wide, how deep, and how high his love really is. And may you experience that kind of love for yourselves. That's my prayer. Because if you'll experience it, then you'll be able to give it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you loved us when maybe we didn't even love ourselves. And you've come that we might have life to the full. And so, God, I pray for anyone right now that maybe you spoke to during this message that they would just respond to you. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, Craig, man, God tagged me this morning. He, while you were talking, there's some ways I'm not loving people like I should. There's some ways that I could improve. I could do better. And I want to do better. And so I want to put this message into practice in my home, in my life. I, I want to do that this week. How many are here and you just raise a hand and say, yeah, that's me. I, there's some areas I need to work on for sure. Hands up all over this room. Father in heaven, you see our hands that are in the air. And it's just a sign to you that you've spoken to us today. And we know that without you, our relationships are, are not going to last, chances are. Because even just statistics show that chances are they're not. But God, we, we don't want to be those kind of people. And we want to love like you love. And so, God, we pray that you'll help us, not, not just at home, but even outside our home, to love people with unconditional love. And allow your work of the Holy Spirit to come in 
and sandpaper off today the things that don't look like you so that we can be more like you. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, or maybe someone here, just like in the first service, that maybe you need the unconditional love of God. It blows me away, and and here's what I want to tell you. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you did last night. It doesn't matter what you did last week. It doesn't matter what you've ever done in your life. There is a God who died for you so that you could live for him, who has already done all he can do to forgive you. Now you need to receive his forgiveness. And if you're here this morning and you say, Craig, that just sounds too good to be true. I'm telling you, it sounds that way, but it is true. It is true. And it can be true for you in your life right now. Will you just raise your hand and say, yes, I need that unconditional love in my life. Yes, I see that hand. Yes, I see that hand, that hand. God bless you over here. God bless you. Yes, yes, down here, over there. God bless you. Up there, God bless you. Several around the room. I probably haven't even seen all the hands, so uh, (laughs) that's so awesome. Church family, just pray this prayer with me. Everybody who raised a hand, just pray this prayer after me. Just say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for me. Today I receive his sacrifice as payment for my sin. Today I start over. I become a new person because of you. So as much as I know how, I commit my life to you and will serve you the rest of my life with your help in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, somebody get excited.